Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 South East Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. We're going to continue uh, in our teaching series, uh, The Seven Churches of Revelation, today. Uh, We're at church number six of seven, so next week we'll conclude our series. Uh, But today, before we get to Revelation, I want us to stop in at the Old Testament for just a moment. Uh, I want to read a story of uh, the first attempted genocide in recorded history. And I know that that's a, a, a scary thought, a scary word, but this is the book of Esther, the book of Esther. And as you're flipping there, you might hit to chapter 4. Esther is a unique book in the Old Testament because it doesn't, uh, in the original language, it doesn't mention the name of God at all. But yet the narrative, the story of Esther is full of God's providence, His provision, His faithfulness is throughout, and the way the story is written and retold, uh, it is inviting its readers in to see God in the details of the story. Now, Esther, uh, she is a, a beautiful Jewish woman who has become queen because she has married the king uh, of the Persian Empire, and his name is King Xerxes. King Xerxes. So, Esther, a beautiful Jewish lady, is married into the hierarchy, the king of Persia. And now, Haman is another high ranking official in the Persian Empire, and, and he, he has this hatred in his heart. He despises the Jewish people. Uh, and not only does he have a hard hard. He uh, likes to party, and in a drunken stupor with the king, he actually, they issue an order that all the Jewish people would be killed. This is the story of Esther. Uh, Now, Esther has a cousin, uh, Mordecai, who is also a faithful follower of Yahweh. He's of the Jewish faith, and and Mordecai, he hears about this terrible plan, uh, and he sends a message to Queen Esther, to his niece, outlining what's been done. Mordecai, he he wants Esther to act, to go before the king and plead with him to change his mind about this edict that has gone across the land. But there's just one problem with that little request. To go before the king without being summonsed made you liable to the death penalty. If the king wasn't happy that day, he could declare you dead in that moment. And so Esther, she, she is ever aware of this, even as the queen. And so she starts to push back. She's like, man, Mordecai, this is crazy. I could be killed for going in to see the king without being asked. And she sends that message to Mordecai, and we have his response recorded in verse 12 through 14 of chapter 4, and that's where I want to jump in today. So when Esther's words are reported to Mordecai, you know, this, this is crazy, I can't do this, Mordecai sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. 
For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows? And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Throughout Esther's life, God's hand, his providence, his guiding had been before her, and she had been faithful to follow after him. And now before her was an opportunity, an open door, if you will, to step into God's redemption story, his rescue plan for his people. But it was risky. It was a matter of life and death for Esther. Mordecai says, hey, hey, don't, don't just think because you're the queen that you're going to escape this edict that you will somehow go unnoticed in the king's palace. He says, no, no, your whole family will be killed. Esther, if you don't do anything, God's plan is going to continue. He, he will not allow his people to be annihilated. It will come from somewhere else. But what if, Esther... What if, Esther, God's hand upon your life, his providence guiding you has been for such a time as this? What if you are the queen in Persia for this moment? Will you be found faithful? The story of Esther asks us, for such a time as 2023, will we be found faithful? Will we be found faithful? As we continue in our teaching series today, the seven churches of Revelation, we're going to hear Christ's words of encouragement, yes, encouragement to the Christians who were in the face of persecution and challenge. They were remaining faithful to the Lord. Today, we are going to unpack the letter to the church at Philadelphia. The church at Philadelphia was facing every bit as much difficulty and challenge and persecution as the other churches around them, yet Jesus commends them. He encourages them uh, for holding the faith for a job well done. And his one command for them is that they hold on to keep up the good work. And as you would study all seven churches of the Revelation, uh, this, the letter to Philadelphia, is by far the most encouraging. It's by far the most uplifting. And so in the face of what we've been studying, what made the church at Philadelphia, how did they get it right? Right? Like what were they doing that Jesus commends them? He has no negative word for them. What were they doing and what can we learn? What can we learn as the church in 2023 from the church in Philadelphia? That's what we're going to seek to unpack today in our text. Let's pray together before we dive in. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the witness of your faithfulness. Lord, we thank you uh, for the story of Esther. And, and Lord, your name is not explicitly mentioned one time in the original language, yet your hand and your guidance is throughout that story. And so, Lord, as we hear your encouraging word to Philadelphia, as we read of your faithfulness throughout Scripture, Lord, we want to be found faithful as your people in our time. So, Lord, search our hearts. Lord, we want to, to grow from the encouragement and the example of the church in Philadelphia. We love you today, Father, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. 
Uh, so our teaching text today is found in Revelation chapter 3, uh, verses 7 through 13. Uh, this is Jesus' recorded words to the church in Philadelphia. And just to go ahead and sort this out right now, this is not Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, this is Philadelphia in Asia Minor in the first century. Uh, uh, there in the region of Asia Minor. So uh, the t- today's text is a little bit longer than some of the others that we've been unpacking, so we're going to do it differently in that we're going to walk our way through. So I'll, I'll read a verse and unpack it, and we'll, we'll work through that way. And today we're going to begin at verse 7, Jesus' words to the church. It says, To the angel in the church of Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. And and so we see the opening of the message, the letter to the church in Philadelphia begins with a focus, a, 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 a zeroing in on the person of Jesus. He is the Holy One, pure, righteous, and true. And he is sovereign and in control over all things, including his church. And, and this reveals again one more time for us the theme that Jesus uh, is the central focus of Revelation. Revelation is a Jesus letter from beginning to its very end, and in that there is great hope for those in Christ. And so we, at verse 8, dive into his words to the church. He says, I know your deeds. I know you. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. This small and potentially seemingly insignificant church was known by Jesus. And not only were were these faithful followers known, they were a part of his story. He had plans for them and their faithful witness in that region. He says, see, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. As you would trace the idea of an open door through the New Testament, uh, many times it's speaking of an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus, for an open opportunity to speak uh, about the hope found in Christ. And, And this is revealing to us a little bit how much Jesus knows his church, because Philadelphia, uh, because of where it was located, where it was geographically, uh, they had kind of been commissioned, they had been charged as keepers of the culture by the Roman Empire. And so they looked to, the the empire looked to Philadelphia to uphold Roman culture, to uphold Roman politics and practice, and yes, religion. And they were to spread that throughout the region. They were kind of to be an outpost of the Roman culture. So, so Jesus wants them uh, to realize that, yes, hey, I, I know you've been charged with proclaiming the Roman kingdom, but I have set before you an opportunity to speak of my kingdom. Forget the Roman kingdom. Let's spread the kingdom of God. He wants them to see the opportunity to realize what he's doing that for such a time as this, these believers have been called, and God has a door before them. Jesus is saying, I've given you this opportunity. You can step through it and take part in my redemption story, and no one can cut you off from that plan. I hold the key to the door. I hold the key. You see, I think it might have been easy for the believers in Philadelphia, a a smaller community and probably even a smaller church, uh, to to look around and and to see the persecution and the difficult things that were happening and to think that, what good can I do? 
What, what, what influence can we have? We're, we're just barely hanging on here, and Jesus says, no, 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 I've got a plan for you. I am holding the door. I have the keys. Step through in faithfulness. Step through in faithfulness. He says, I know that you have little strength. Their lack of strength, friends, did not disqualify them from being used mightily by God. Did you catch that? Their seeming insignificance, their little bit of strength did not disqualify them, did not exclude them from being a part of what God was doing in and through them. I have a plan for you. I have a plan for you. This idea of little strength here, uh, it's not a deficiency or a weakness. It's just an honest appraisal of where they were, of the community and the, the church, and, and it acknowledges in their situation that they are totally reliant on God. And he says, you have kept my word. You've kept my word, and you have not denied my name. And as we've been studying through the seven churches so many times, the other churches in Revelation are called out because they have forsaken the name of Jesus. They've forsaken uh, biblical truth. They've accepted the worldview around them. But this little church, this little church held on. They were faithful. They didn't allow culture to define their ethics or their behavior. They stood on the Word of God as the authority for their life and their faith. They didn't allow uh, business deals or political alliances to crowd out their honesty and their integrity. When the parties and, and all the things were going on at the pagan temples and sexual immorality had just become a normal way of life, they stood firm on the Word of God in a Christian ethic. They stood firm. By outward appearances, this church maybe was not much to brag about, but what Jesus saw, what he was concerned about, what he praised in them was their faithfulness and their truth to his word. And he says, look, I've got a door before you, an opportunity to spread my kingdom. You've held on to my word. Let's go. Let's do this. And friends, I, I wonder today, would that be true of us? Would that be true of us? You see, we have to ask that question corporately as the gathered body of believers. Would we be a church found faithful in the midst of the difficulty, the challenge, the, the world that's going on around us? Would we be found faithful, holding true to his name? But we also have to ask that for our lives as followers of Jesus. Have we held true? Have we held true to his name? You see, there's, there's a beautiful truth we see at work here in Philadelphia. That our strength never limits what God can do. That's good news. Our strength does not limit what God can do. And so that takes the burden off us because we might feel insignificant in our roles in life or at work or at church or at school. We might feel like we have nothing to offer like we can barely do anything, but God says, no, 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 the example at Philadelphia says, I'm not dependent on your strength, I just need your obedience. I need you to be faithful to my name. I'll give you the strength to step into my redemption narrative, to take part in my story. Because see, we might feel down about what we're doing in life, whether we're just a construction worker, an electrician, a plumber, or we're a stay-at-home mom or grandma, or we retired 20 years ago. We think, well, what do I have to give? I'm spent. 
But the truth and the beauty of Philadelphia says God's will, his plan is not limited by our strength. He is inviting us to step into that reality with him. What will you bring? (laughs) What will you bring for such a time as this? God, just ask for ourselves. Will we be found faithful? You know, when we were, (laughs) we're here today, proof of this truth, (laughs) uh, that God's plan is not limited by our strength. Uh, when, When we were, trying to get the campus launched, like, and I've told this story before, but it's good to remember where you come from. Uh, we talked about this publicly three weeks or a month before this thing called COVID hit the world. And so we announced this vision, hey, we're going to launch a campus in Elkton, and then the world is shut down. And that was early stages, right? We had no idea what was going on. What, what can we do? What little strength do we have to offer this plan, God? You, the, the world is shut down, and you've called us to plant a campus. <laughs> welcome. It was not limited by our limited strength. His plan prevailed. His plan prevailed. And, and, and friends, the, the, the church was shut down and, and so many things had to go. It's not shut down. We went online and in-person was so different. And, and we had this launch budget to get going. Well, we didn't have a way to pass a plate. Talk about limited strength. Do you know what? A couple months in, we were fully funded. And by the time we launched, we were beyond and we never passed a plate. And I don't, that's not us, that's him. Our strength did not limit what God was doing. Man, when we were trying to find a building to use to host this thing, I felt like I was in the real estate business, man. I was, every, I was riding around looking at all the buildings in Elkton. I came through this one early on in the search, and, and that was early, and the fire department was still thinking, man, we're, we're trying to bring bingo back, and we didn't have the manpower. Trust me, you didn't want to set up 101 bingo tables through this hallway. Like, I just didn't see it wasn't going to work. And so we were in, the town was so gracious to us, and we were in conversations about doing this in the community center at Elkton. We were going to be a true portable setup. We would set all this up of a morning and tear it down that afternoon. And we were, I think it was two weeks before the deadline to order all this stuff because Portable Church, like, tailors it to the space. We were two weeks out, and I get a phone call that says, hey, uh, the fire department says is realizing bingo's not coming back for a while. Are you interested? (laughs) Boy, am I ever. And that has been such a beautiful relationship. And friends, that's just money in buildings. Let's talk about life changed. Let's talk about the children that we've gotten to impact with the gospel through partnership events with the town, uh, through the Sunday morning services. Uh, I, my life is different because of this campus and because God's work. And I know your lives are different too. And all of that is just to remember that what God is desiring to do, his redemption story is not limited by our strength. He's asking for our faithfulness. Will we be found faithful for such a time as this? Will we be found faithful? Hold true to his word. Uplift his name. And let's see what he can do. Let's see what he can do. I believe in my heart of hearts that God has given us an open door here. He's given us incredible favor with our community with the town officials, with the schools, with EAUS. That stuff doesn't just happen. That's an open door that God has placed before us. Will we be found faithful? You know, that's how Philadelphia earned the praise of the master. 
was not because of their great strength. It was because of their faithfulness. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's continue in verse 9. And this is where it starts to, it starts to get tricky to unpack. He says, I, I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, they are liars. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. And as you look and as we think about a church that, that's getting only praise, well, there's some part of us that might go, ah, well, they just had it easy. I know that's human nature. It happens to me too. But this church faced every bit as much persecution as all the other churches did. Uh, we begin to see in, in this text, and, and I would invite you, that I, I, we don't have time today to unpack all the nuance of what's going on here in this text. Uh, there's references back to the Old Testament, to Isaiah and his prophecy, and, and there's so much here I would invite you to read and dive deep this week. Uh, but what we see here is that uh, there was a tension. The faithful believers in Philadelphia found themselves in this tension between professing Jews and Christians. And, and we read about this tension throughout uh, the book of Acts and the rest of the New Testament that uh, Jewish leaders, often more zealous for the law than for God, uh, they persecuted Christians pretty harshly, and it appears that that conflict has made its way to uh, Philadelphia. But it, it's in the face of that opposition that God makes it clear because the, the Jewish community, they would have been coming and saying, no, 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 we're the true people of God. You, you all are just a cult. We're it. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 I've got you. <laughs> you are my beloved. You are my people. And they one day will confess that is the truth. And so in the midst of that difficulty, Jesus is encouraging them, reinforcing them, don't give in. I am the way. Remain faithful. He says in verse 11, he gives them this encouragement. He says, I am coming soon. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Here's the only command that Jesus gives Philadelphia. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. I'm coming. I'm coming. Verse 12, he says, to the one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from God. And I will also write on them my new name. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The message to the faithful church ends with the hope-filled reality of Christ. Remember, Revelation is a Jesus letter, and in that there is great hope. And so this small and seemingly insignificant church facing a really hard time, being told that they were not the true people of God, he says, no, 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 to those who are victorious, you will spend eternity with me. We will rejoice around the throne together for all of eternity. Rejoice in hope. There's a promise of safety, a promise of security for those who are in Christ Jesus for eternity. Because we see, as we look throughout the, into the end of the uh, Revelation, we see the promise of a new heaven and a new earth. And, and so we know and we believe that, that sin and death and pain and, and loss, those things are living on borrowed time. 
that eternity will be free of sin, free of death, free of pain, free of guilt, and full of God's glory, and we will worship him forever and ever in his presence. Rejoice in hope. We began uh, working through the text asking two questions. What made the church different, and what can we learn? And today, I, I threw out, as, as I was studying and preparing this week, three things j- just kept coming back and coming back. And so I, I want to share these three things. They're not the only takeaways from today, uh, but note takers rejoice. I, I, this one's for you. Here's three things that I think we need to remember and consider and pray into as the church in 2023. Remain faithful. Rely on God and rejoice in hope. You say, well, that's the best you could come up with? Yeah, that's the best I got. Remain faithful. Rely on God and rejoice in hope. You see, the the church, as we would think about what does it mean to remain faithful, the, the church was praised for keeping God's word, praised and encouraged for not denying his name. And friends, we too must remain faithful to God's word as our ultimate authority for life and faith. The word of God as he is revealed in the scriptures, this must be our authority, the ultimate high calling for our lives. Yes, in what we believe, what we teach, and what we preach, but also in how we live. Faithfulness to God. Revealed through his word. That has to be true denominationally uh, as we proclaim the truth, as we encounter with honesty and humility the challenges of today. We must remain true to the word of God and, and the life that he has laid out before us. But, and that is true of our lives as individual believers, that this must be our authority. He is the king. He is Lord of our lives, and we must live like it. And so, yes, that is going to be our speech. That is what we teach and what we preach, but it also must be how we live. Our actions must display faithfulness to the Lord. And you know what I'm talking about, right? Because if you travel 33 or 340 and and you look in your rear view and you see a car like doing one of these numbers, hopping traffic, right? They in a hurry. Okay, what's the matter with that person? Aren't they crazy? Well, you see them, they come and they finally blow by you and you see a, a Jesus loves you or a honk if you love Jesus on the back of their car. You're like, what are you doing? Jesus would have loved if you weren't speeding and endangering lives back there. You see, there's an inconsistency in what was said through a bumper sticker and what was driven down the road. Or you see that same bumper sticker chewing out the poor person at the drive through window because their tea was sweet instead of unsweet. It's like, whoa, just, hey, Jack, let's, let's pull back here a minute. What do we believe about Jesus must permeate the way we live. You go to dinner or after church on Sunday and your Sunday best, they know where you come from. Be nice. <laughs> you see, because here's the truth. As we seek to make the word of God authoritative for what we teach and preach and how we live, our actions will scream what we believe. And our words will only whisper. People are watching us. (laughs) I hope that doesn't make you nervous. But people are looking at you. As you profess to be a Christian, as you come into the restaurant and your Sunday giddy up, they know and they're watching you. 
So at work, at school, uh, at home with the kids or the grandkids, whatever that is, the Bible must be the authority for our lives. How we live matters. We must be found faithful, friends. And what we believe, what we teach, and what we preach, and how we live every moment of every day. You say, my gracious, how do you do that? Well, rely on God. <laughs> rely on God. Paul says in Philippians 4.13, somebody should do a teaching series in Philippians around here. That'd be good. Philippians 4.13, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Queen Esther, she was afraid for her life. The Christians at Philadelphia, they didn't, conceivably, they didn't have a lot going on for them. They had limited resources, but that did not prevent the Lord from working through these people who just said yes and relied on his strength. We must be found relying on his strength, seeking the ministry and the power of his spirit at work in us. We must rely on the Lord. God's plans are not limited by our strength. So if the enemy's been beating you up lately saying, uh, God can't use you, you, you'll never be good enough. If he's been beating you up saying, uh, you're just at work in the construction industry, you're just running a drive through you're just X, Y, or Z, the plans of God, what he desires to do through you is not limited by your strength, friend. Rely on him and his strength today. Remain faithful, rely on God, and rejoice in hope. Yes, life is hard. I, I think it was hard for the church in Philadelphia, honestly. I think they were facing some really, really hard things. And I know that's true for you today. That some of you are facing really hard things. Real pain, real heartache. What would it look like to rejoice in hope? To know that all those things are on borrowed time and that eternity is telling a different story. To rejoice in hope. To lift our eyes from what's before us and the challenges that, that bait us. And to lift our eyes to the hope of heaven. To the horizon that Jesus says, I am coming soon. Hold on, brother. Hold on, sister. Rejoice in the hope that we have. If your hope needs a boost today, I would encourage you in some quiet time uh, to, to read the end of Revelation. It's, all, it's a spoiler alert. It's okay. Read the end of the letter. Read about the new heaven and the new earth and how we will be with God for eternity. And let that give your hope a boost today. Rejoice in hope. Excuse me. Remain faithful. Rely on God. And rejoice in hope. As the band begins to make their way forward, let's, uh, let's flip back to the story in Esther for a minute. You see, uh, where we left off, Esther had, had, had kind of explained, uh, Mordecai, you're crazy. Like, I could be killed for this. You, you don't know what you're asking. And, and Mordecai says, hey, Jack, don't, don't think that you're going to escape this. Don't think that just because you're the queen that, that you'll be allowed to live and everybody else won't. That was the response. And he says, maybe, Esther, maybe, God has you here for this. I want to look at her response. And that's verse 15. 
Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. So she, she heard Mordecai's words, and, and she sends this back. She says, go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even if it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. You see, Esther went all in. I mean, she says, if he kills me, he kills me. You see, I think Esther realized that opportunity that was before her. She was challenged by Mordecai's words, and she realized the door that God had opened before her, and she knew in that moment that she had to step through it. Even though it was hard, it might cost her everything, she knew she had to take a step of faith. And so what she do, she, she says, all, all of my attendants, everybody around me, you, Mordecai, go get all the Jews fast and pray. What are they doing? They're relying on God to make a way. Come together, seek him. And, and as the story would go forward, uh, God did stop this genocide. Through the faithfulness of God's people seeking him, relying on his strength, he turned the tide on this story and the Jews were saved because they relied on the Lord. And you know, about six years later, Jesus speaks the word to a church in Philadelphia, says, hey, I know you have little strength. Yet you have kept my word and not denied my name. For such a time as this. You know, if I'm honest, those words of Mordecai, they, they challenge me a little bit. For such a time as this. I say they challenge me because I, I often feel like I was born a generation too late. Like I, It's hard for me to wrap my mind around everything that's going on in the world and all the tensions and the stuff like it's hard for me to wrap around and so I often on paper I'm a millennial but I like to identify as a Gen X I I just feel like the 80s would have been my jam Uh, somebody said no the 70s had better music well that's okay I'm not against that but I mean you think the 80s with no cell phones a little simpler time uh, better music I think 80 I could have got along there I had to change my wardrobe a little bit but we got there And I'm sure it wasn't perfect, but it just seems like meh. But then you gotta face the words, right, of Mordecai. Perhaps you were created for such a time as this. Right? Think about that. You could have been born anywhere in God's scheme of eternity, but you're here. Welcome to 2023, I'm glad you're here. For such a time as this, you have been called. For such a time as this, you are here. Yes, in the middle of this mess, as we look on to 2024 and all the craziness that that will bring, God has called us for such a time as this. Now, whether you're in kindergarten or you're teaching kindergartners or you retired 10 years ago, you are created and God has given you breath for such a time as this. What opened doors before you? right now because we, we see it's, it's not about your strength it's about your faithfulness so, so what what opportunity has God opened up before you and he's saying look for such a time as this brother for such a time as this sister 
yesteryear. As much as we might wish we were back in yesteryear, we're here. Will we be found faithful? Will we be found faithful? You see, the, the church at Philadelphia, that they were found faithful in their time. You see, God had the church at Philadelphia. He had believers there. He had an open door for them and faithful followers. And he said, for such a time as this, I have called you. I have equipped you. Well done, good and faithful servants. Friends, I want that to be us. I want that to be us. In our time, in our lives, in our homes, in our jobs, in our schools. I want that to be us. It might not be marvelous, wonderful things. We might not rescue an entire people group. But what if we reached one person with hope? Wouldn't that be worth it? Would we say, yes, Lord, I'm glad to be here for such a time as this for that one person? Will we be found faithful? Remain faithful. Rely on God and rejoice in hope. For such a time as this, we're here, friends. And God's not done with us yet. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for the witness of your word. Lord, we thank you for the faithfulness of a little church, a little group of Jesus believers in Philadelphia, Lord. And you looked upon them, Lord, and you said, it's, it, you don't have great strength, but I've made a way for you. I've opened the door. And so, Lord, we thank you that it's, it's not about our strength. Lord, the enemy would want to talk us out of it. The enemy would want to say, no, 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 you've, you've messed up too much. No, 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 you from your position, you have to remain quiet in the corner. No, 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 you can't do that. But, Lord, the witness of your word and the praise you gave to Philadelphia encourages us that what you're desiring to do is not limited by our strength. You are able You just ask us for our faithfulness. And so, Lord, we want to be people that build our lives, our faith on your word and who you are. To truly live as though you are the Lord of our lives. And, Lord, when the going gets tough, lift our eyes to the horizon of hope. To the good news of your redemption story culminating in a new heaven and a new earth will be with you forever. We love you, Lord. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.